Good afternoon, Mitsus. Welcome back to Read It and Weep Season 2. This is episode number four of our second season, or if you're still keeping track, episode 477 overall. I am your host, I'm Alex Falcone, and I'm in New York currently. I'm in, in uh, Brooklyn, uh, in our Brooklyn studios, um, and I have a, uh, a, a delightfully abbreviated panel. We have a perfect three-person panel today. Uh, joining me on the phone from Portland, it's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Hey, 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 hey. Excited to be here to talk about this. I hope you put on your 80s uh, suit, your 80s, like, kid's suit to come to class today. My my, just everything slightly too low suit? Yes. Yeah, just, I, I want a 12-inch wide tie on you. Yeah. That's I, I want a, this. a nice breeze in my suit, you know? <laughs> oh, it was so weird. Um, also join us here. I have a very special guest uh, making a debut on the program uh, in Los Angeles, California. Host of The Struggle podcast. Please welcome Candace Thompson to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. You, uh, tell us real quick about The Struggle for people at home. Oh, man, The Struggle. If it's not already, like, self-explanatory, uh, basically what I invite my friends. What about is friends... that it's self-explanatory in a way that my show is not. So, great job. <laughs> I was like, how can people relate to this immediately? Smart. And, yeah, with two words, The Struggle. Um so yeah, I just have my friends come on. They don't have to be comedians. A lot of them are comedians because most of my friends are comedians, but they don't have to be. That's not a prerequisite. Um, and we come on and we talk about something they're currently struggling with. And uh, it doesn't have to be like a really super serious struggle. Like you can talk about anything as lighthearted as like, I am getting gas all the time. Or you can say something serious, like I'm severely depressed and I consider suicide like regularly. So, but the goal is to laugh at it. So I like having my friends come on to talk about something they're struggling with, but not something that is so hard for them that they can't laugh at it because it is a comedy podcast. This is already a huge credit to you as a person that you have been a comic for as long as you have and you've maintained friendships with people who are not comedians. I don't, I, I know. I don't feel like not, I know any of them. And not a lot. I don't have, I do have enough, but I also try to like. Wait, are, wait, are these people who used to do comedy and now they're musicians? <laughs> no, those people are dead to me. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah, no, actually my, my, who I think is going to be my new co-host is my friend Brenda, who used to be a comic and now she is no longer a comic. Um, a, and she's happy. Imagine choice, that. Yeah, to be happy. Yeah, That's yeah. She's. Yeah, no, brilliant by her. So uh, she's probably going to be my new co-host. We'll got to figure that out. But yeah, no, I do manage to have try to maintain friendships. It's hard, though, because my people that are not in comedy are all they have families now. They're married. So it's like keeping up with them. They're like in a whole different world. So, yeah, unfortunately, I don't get to see them often at all. Yeah, we're recording this in the middle of the afternoon on a Monday. So like it's just a different life. <laughs> I'm still in sweatpants. I literally <laughs> change. I literally said to myself, let me be productive and get out of these pajama pants and put on these sweatpants for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> well, that was nice of the world the last couple of years to make sweatpants like so much nicer so that you could feel like that was a step up in your day. Yeah, I, I, we should attribute that to uh, Juicy. You remember Juicy Couture when they started putting the Juicy? Oh, yeah. They were like, that, that started a movement. And now with like Lululemon, they're now making leggings yeah. and yoga pants. Like that, this is clothing now. So comfort, shout snacks. out to comfort. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the, this episode, as always, is brought to you by our fabulous meat buddies, people who donate to the show to keep 
the show floating down the tracks. Uh, you can become one. Help the cause. Redistribute.com slash meet buddies. We really appreciate everybody who has donated to the show. So, Anthony, as you know, this month's theme is Does It Hold Up? Right? That's the theme of the beginning of season two. Um, I assume you're with me. We can just assume no. We can just skip that question today. <laughs> That's normally what we've been talking about, but I just feel like this is so no that we have to have a different framing. So I guess like the question is, I'm got, I'm going to argue with you guys okay. on this one. Okay, great. Never mind. I have no opinion. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna say that the new topic is like, why did this get any made at you know, all? Did, how, I mean, I, someone else has already come up with the title of this, but how did this get made? It's such a weird choice. Yeah. Oh man. So Candace. Um, yes. This, as, so this is your, your guest. You get uh, honor. You get to choose the topic. So I asked you for something. That you wanted to find out if it held up to you, and you, uh-huh. I would say, almost immediately, first thing on your mind uh, was this movie. Please tell us what you chose and why. <laughs> so I chose a movie from the eighties. I'm not sure exactly what 86. year in the eighties. I eighty six. Perfect. Um, I chose a movie called Soul Man, yes. uh, starring C. Thomas Howell. Mm-hmm. It's actually a very star-studded cast. Yeah. Yes. You have James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah. You have Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in yes. there. A very young Melora Hardin, who you guys might know for, as Jan from The Office. Yes, she is oh, definitely in that. that was. Yep. Well, and also, the, Ronald Reagan's son, Ron yes. Reagan. Ron oh. fucking Reagan is in when, Ron Reagan. When Ron yes. Reagan showed up, I, I had to pause the movie and get up and walk around for a few minutes. Like, I didn't... <laughs> I honestly didn't know. Like, I had seen this movie before, and very, because I, I mentioned to Alex uh, that for some reason this movie was on Comedy Central, like, once a week when I was growing up. Yeah. Uh, so so I saw it a lot. Uh, <laughs> and I had, you know, I was like watching, I was like, oh, Liam Neeson, all this whole cast is in it. But when Ron Reagan shows up, that's when. Arguing over which one of them gets to have him on their basketball team. I, like, paused the movie and went out for a cigarette and, like, just thought, like, did he know his dad had dementia at this time? And this is what he's doing? He knows what they're doing to these communities. His father still never mentioned the word AIDS anywhere, and this is what he's doing? Fuck you. It's, what? It's like the moment in that fire documentary where the guy's like, I was going to suck his dick. And like the whole world stops and you have to pause it and take it. You're in. like, just, what yeah. just happened? We, we, like this. Yeah. Everything has changed now. Ron Reagan is hanging out. <laughs> in his basketball court. Oh, man. Uh, Acting is in his blood, ma'am. Also, yeah. also a it's funny. Uh, there are young people, uh, young versions, like a young Julia uh, Louis, Louis Dreyfus, but also a the same age Leslie Nielsen. Every movie yeah. he does, First, he's the same age. Every movie. Yeah, for sure. Him and Steve Martin. Yes, yeah. And uh, uh, sadly, and Morgan not Freeman. funny Leslie Nielsen role. He's just a racist. Yeah, he played a straight racist. Yep. Yeah, it's getting not back. Even a, not even a, a, a comically funny no. racist. He was just a straight racist. He was just yeah. getting, back, getting back to his roots, you know, as a <laughs> young dramatic actor. A lot of people forget that Liam Neeson didn't start doing comedies until Airplane. Leslie Nielsen. Le- yeah, Leslie Nielsen, yeah. Leslie Nielsen didn't start doing comedies till Airplane. You know, he was a serious dramatic actor. So he wanted until that. then. But what's Get weird this. is that this is a comedy. <laughs> like, he's yes. not doing a comedy, but a comedy is happening around him, ostensibly. Yeah. Around him. Yes, not through him. <laughs> around him. Yes. So weird. So, so Candace, what did this mean to you? Why did this come up? Like, why was this at the forefront of your mind for wondering if it's uh, held up? 
Oh, for sure. Well, I'll tell you, just go ahead and explain the premise of the movie for the listeners. Because yeah, um, I had never heard of this. And, and have Anthony we mentioned told me, You had never heard of it I, before? I, not only had I not seen it, I had never heard of it. And I had Oh, my God. Ju- I, like, I, so Anthony told me, do not, do not Google it before you start watching it. <laughs> and that made me nervous. So that combined with the fact that you picked this canvas and the name Soul Man, I was You're like... You're welcome. Boy, I hope this isn't a blackface movie. And then, <laughs> but I suspect that it is. That was my guess. For, uh, from you're welcome. And then it starts to be a rich kid, a rich white kid wants to get into Harvard, but none of the scholarships yeah. apply to him. And I was like, yeah. oh, I, it was like a slow motion train wreck. I just watched. I was yeah. like, this is gonna happen. Oh, it's about. Oh, and then it just. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and it plays it's, that code pretty close to the vest in terms of like they don't really set up his thought process, or you don't see like. I, for some reason, ima- remembered, like, a Mrs. Doubtfire-esque, like, montage of him, like, getting into that outfit, uh, oh, the no. thing. But oh. it's not. It's just... It's just the, I personally would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. It's just, instead, this cut to, well, this is what I'm yeah. going to do. Uh, yeah. And- you know why? Is because... Okay, so just so everybody yeah. is clear, the the premise of the movie is there is a white... Uh, upper class, like his fa- his parents have money, mm-hmm. college kid who's now trying, he's applied to Harvard Law School, finds out he gets in, but then his dad is going to teach him some tough love and he takes away his privilege of having uh, that paid for, uh, his father paid for his tuition. So he tells him, I'm not paying for this. And so he's like, how can I get a scholarship? So he starts doing research, stumbles across some grant that's given to only black people. Yes. Um, and he's one of four other applicants in Los Angeles. So he's like, you know what? There's probably maybe one black person that's trying to get in here. What are the odds of Harvard? What are the odds of black people getting into Harvard? So I'm just going to pretend I'm a black person so I can get the scholarship. So he takes tanning pills, which don't exist. No. Do, oh, do they really? <laughs> no, they don't, oh, they exist. don't exist. Oh, okay. That's what I forget. Well, they do not exist. Like, yeah, no. Well, that's- I love how they, they had to plug, they had to throw in a friend that just so somehow was working on some scientific. He's working yeah, yeah, on some yeah, science yeah, project for his college. Tanning pills. I just took two. <laughs> and instead of it just destroying my liver, it made me. Kind of, it made me look black. like I'd been spending three hours a day in a makeup chair, getting blackface uh, and black arm, black leg, the whole thing. That is correct. Black body. And he, his hair, they never mentioned his hair. Yeah. Like that was a wig apparently that kind of looked like a Jerry curl, but not really. It was like a Jerry curl Afro in between kind of hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they never, they skipped over that, but I would have loved to have seen uh, a montage of him getting into that. He kind of, if you guys remember what the black Ken doll looks like, that's what C. <laughs> Thomas Howell looks like in blackface. I do not remember that, but I'm going to Google it now. Yeah, let's, Google let's a black on. Ken doll. Also, Google, uh, there's a black guy on this show called How to, How to Get Away with Murder. It's a Shonda Rhimes show with Viola Davis. And there's a black kid named, I think, Wes on that show who looks just like C. Thomas Howell in blackface. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact I mean, there, just Google so it. So just pulling up this black Kendall, that is a very good, that is a very good poll. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's exactly right. I, I'm and and like probably a similar process of taking white plastic and just dipping it in goo. That correct. Uh, it's right. Through. It's like still had all the same white features, 
right? But just dipped in chocolate. <laughs> it's so strange. It is so strange. Um, I, I, I don't want to steal this, but the, uh, at the time the movie was released, I just think this is the best line about the movie, uh, president <laughs> of the NAACP, Willis Edwards, said, the, plot, the, uh, the premise of this movie is that there isn't a single black student in Los Angeles qualified for a scholarship for black students. Uh, and that I like that's the thing that's yeah. like just kind of what that's that's the premise of the movie was like there, he's the only one so he gets it there was there was one other and that that, that person went to Stanford like <laughs> like that's not that, that doesn't that's, that's that I, so weird. right right he didn't eat <laughs> out all they were just like well the scholarship exists and literally no one applied for it so I will just yeah. Show so up. I'll just take it. Yeah. Well, I, and th- that's why I love this movie so much is because it's the epitome of white privilege. Yes. It is the epitome. And but that is why I don't want to say that it because it, in my head, when I when you asked me to do the podcast and when I was like, oh, what is a film that would fit perfectly in this is Soul Man. And because I hadn't seen it in years and I thought to myself like, oh, yeah, that movie was so bad because it was a, a movie about a white dude in blackface. And but now watching it as an adult, I'm like, what? This was the perfect way to show white privilege and the fuckery that white people think they have access to just because they are white. So like, that's why I was like, it is a fucked up movie. But at the same time, it really does get it. It's a great commentary on white privilege. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, I was going to say like, well, just like the idea that he, to be fair to his character, he tries a whole three things and gets rejected before he decides <laughs> to steal an opportunity. Yeah, he tries to get a loan. A minority. Yeah, like, not, the fact and, that and that is. The things he tries were student loans. That, like, yeah. he, he tries to get a commercial loan to go to college from a bank right yeah. it is At, one of those things like when you when you add it up like that there is like an interesting commentary that i think i was kind of surprised in this movie but yeah, to yeah, me, yeah like the this is like the um this is gonna uh, see if you can go with me on this but this is like the coney 2012 of movies like <laughs> something that on paper is like your heart is technically in the right place kind maybe. of yeah maybe kind of but you are this is just the w- absolute worst <laughs> worst way, way to go about it yeah. right to do it yeah I, and i i i think it's one of those things where if they were to try and pitch this movie now there would be so much outrage yeah. oh yeah because of just the loan like oh a, mo- a, a white dude in blackface but then we think about when did tropic thunder come out yeah Not long ago not that long ago. <laughs> I, so it's like, I don't know if it would fly right now, no, but he, maybe I eight mean, years Robert, ago. Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for an Academy Award for that role. Award you know? for that role. Exactly. And like, it, it is like, and that movie kind of skates on the, like, well, we're doing really smart satire, which it's whatever. But this, of course. Like, Probably it's, not. This is trying to do that, but stretched over an hour and 40 minutes. And it's, like I said, just so tone deaf and like the jokes they decide to make uh yeah it's it's, weird that's the key is this is not this is not a deep satire this is a cheesy 80s comedy it's just like a one of a million tossed out 80s comedies that all have the same sort of jokes uh including a ronald reagan joke which is more daring in a movie that you know he was going to watch because his kid was in it 
But he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> he didn't know where he was at that time. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that is true. Right um, uh, but the, but like it was not like it was I'm, okay. He gets away with it. Like that's the point of the movie. Is it turns out fucking fine. That like yeah. I don't feel like there's an uh, their hearts are in the right place even enough. Like I don't even buy that all the way. In that the satire, <laughs> the lessons he learns are like. <laughs> Everything will be fine. I still will have the same girlfriend and the same career possible. Like, everyone will like me the exact same amount. Like, there's well, no Well, yeah, I don't agree at all that she stayed with him. Like, that yeah. would imagine. Like, if that happened in real life, oh would I stay God. with a person? No, you're did, a crazy person. You did, been like, yeah, you learned some lessons. months, and uh, you still want to try to fuck. <laughs> what is uh, Rachel Dazzle? Did her husband stay Dolezal. with her? Dolezal. Rachel Dolezal. Did her husband stay with her? I mean, I know they had been together much longer. I I but. think she does have a husband. I think she is does have currently have a man. And I would like to point out, I am very single. So I'm just, uh, <laughs> so just to show you that I think people just like crazy people. Like, yeah. I think it's easier to be in love with a crazy person than a sane person uh, for some reason. Interesting. Uh, yeah. But, like, I think, like, at the time, what they would... This movie is, like... I think it works as a really interesting, uh, like very tone deaf, but like a great example of white privilege and sort of the way sure. we sort of think of race now. But at the time, they were trying to make a movie that helped white people feel good about racism at the end of the day, right? It's essentially like a, uh Animal House version of The Green Book. Like it's like you're supposed to walk out and be like, you know what? I oh, like yeah. he's right. I can I could take like he could take it off, so he can never really understand the experience. But like, right. if someone was making those racist jokes about me, I would feel bad about it too. Like, it's this what they were going for is this movie to help shitty white people in '80s America be like, oh wow, I'm it's really progressive, you know. All right. I mean, like the people who are racist also get away with it, like except for the. the no, he punches them in the faces well, so, at the end. <laughs> so the landlord. <laughs> Don't Lesley, forget about Lesley that. And gets totally like nothing bad happens to him. Um, uh, and a lot of the other the, the the two lawyers who just make racist jokes for the every every three minutes for an entire school year. Um, yeah, the same. The same. What do you call a black? <laughs> Oh, did they? Oh, you know what? I remember a black joke that I could have sworn it was in this movie, but I don't think it, I guess it wasn't because I didn't see it. Did I miss it? Was there a joke in there? Why or how do you stop a black boy from jumping on a bed? No. And I put, put Velcro on the ceiling. That was a joke. I could have sworn it was in no, this movie, but no, maybe I, I guess it wasn't. Like yeah. Too well constructed for this movie. Yeah. All these <laughs> jokes were like. A lot of math themed, like what is one of one black person versus a uh, twenty of the like. He it was yeah. that same exact like he was doing Mad Libs almost of racist <laughs> jokes. <laughs> and, and, and as a like uh, one thing that I have learned over the last several years as a joke writer is that if you use a number over five in a joke, you've lost the audience. You just you can't, you, they you, can't handle you it. You definitely can't put two different numbers in the same joke. Like the audience, we're, we're talking to drunk people. They were they're gone. They are like mad at yeah. you and tuned out. And this was, yeah, it was a lot of math based. Also, sometimes in the jokes, I feel like they didn't actually write the setup. They just wrote a nonsensical punchline, which actually made me feel better than when they had like, oh, this sounds like an actual street joke that racist people tell. <laughs> it was. But the, the, but look, There's so point. many layers. They got. 
punched. And then both of them were like, yeah, I deserved that. I'm kind of a scamp. And then it was, that was it. There was no. Yeah, no, there was no real consequence. Those, you know what those two people are now? (laughs) Fucking lawyers. Like they're just racist lawyers who have a lot of money. Like there's just. Right. And more ammunition to say that. uh, Well, I guess. No, I forgot that he was in white. He was white when he punched him. Which I thought about that. I was like, he knew that he couldn't punch him as a black man. So that was (laughs) that was smart because he would have got locked up. So he waited till his black face came off before he punched the white guys. But you know what? And I did like that. Again, I I try. I was looking at it this uh, in a unique way this time as an adult. And just trying to find like nuance in it and trying to find like actual like meaning in it. That is so generous. No, I know. But I was like, I already seen this movie, so I know what it is. But let me watch it, look at it from a different perspective this time. And but I was like, that's what really needs to happen is white people calling out other white people on their shit. Because it's it's the same way that uh, like in this whole Me Too era, how guys need to be the ones that call out their guy friends because it's going to mean more like they're going to think women are just whining. But if a guy says to another guy, Hey man, you shouldn't behave like that. It'll be interpreted uh, more deeply, deeply and taken more to heart. So I was like, okay, I see what y'all did (laughs) by making the white guy punch the other white guy instead of having the black guy. There has to be a changing of the culture, right? There has to be like, uh, for sure. I mean, his whole narrative arc with those guys is, it goes from it's okay, right? He has like a a approve not an approval of it, but it's just like yeah, of course, two white guys are gonna say racist things. But as it slowly starts to hurt him, and then when he realizes like he can't have the real experience, but this is what he can do to help, you know, like mm-hmm. again, there are things yeah. in this movie that if you look for them, you can be like, that's interesting in twenty nineteen because of the way we talk about race and the culture around it and stuff like that. But it's like they weren't having these conversations in '86. Back then, I mean, like not the, at all. The, the <clears throat> thing with like the cop following him, I think, is way more interesting today than it was back then. In terms of like, absolutely, hence just sort of understanding of the things where he like actually learns what it's like. That's the only time where I felt like they were actually making a point. Because the other ones was like people fought over him on a basketball team, but that was just to get to the joke of him hitting himself in the balls. Like that was the whole purpose oh, of it, for sure. And that was the longest scene. I was watching that. I was like, why is this scene so long? Because of course, okay. So the joke is they are picking basketball teams, and he's the only like for there's two black reasons. guys. It was like a Harvard Law PE class. Yeah, no, they wanted to. <laughs> exactly, it was so gratuitous. They, of course, had to play the stereotype of black guys are good at sports. So for him to have the full black experience, he needed to get picked first on a on a team of white dudes. And then, of course, he's upset the whole team when he not only can't dribble, but can't shoot. He throws the ball over the rafters. Yeah, (laughs) he hits himself in the balls, which is hilarious. Yeah, which you know what? They actually did this same exact joke in a better way on The Office. If you guys watch The Office, there was an episode where they were playing basketball in the warehouse. It was like the warehouse guys versus the uh, the staff upstairs. Uh, uh, and they thought, Michael was like, I got Stanley, who's right. the black guy yeah, yeah. on the show. And he was <laughs> the worst. Yeah. So it's like, that's a joke that is like an ongoing, of course, it's always going to be black people in sports. The stereotype is to assume they're going to kill it. So it is kind of comical to find out when a black person can't play or you can't dance or can't sing. I think I prefer the, the version in The Office because <laughs> Stanley wasn't 
a guy in blackface. For, yes. If I was going to pick Stanley a was actually two versions of the joke, one was a white guy in blackface. Well, right. Also, the well, uh, the what if we found out Stanley aesthetic. was in blackface? <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be a very different Halloween costume for Stanley. <laughs> Uh, I okay. So okay. So so maybe there's two levels here. There's supposed there's like there's a, a a cultural a satire level, and then there's also an '80s comedy. Do you feel like since both of you watched this a lot as kids, did the '80s comedy ver- when you probably didn't care as much about the blackface? Did yeah, yeah. The comedy work for you? Then? Hold up. And does any of it hold up now? <clears throat> oh, it definitely held up back then. It definitely, like, I remember with my black family, my, my cousin Chantel is the one that told me, she was like, you guys, she's the one that turned us on to this movie. She's like, you guys have to see this movie, Soul Man. And I remember going, we were in Virginia, we, we used to stay there in the summers, uh-huh. and we watched this movie with my, like, my aunts and uncles, <clears throat> and I remember, like, raucously laughing at that scene where, <laughs> this terrible scene, where... He where he's going to what's her name uh, from the office, Melora Hardin. Uh, he's going to her parents to meet them for dinner. So Leslie Nielsen is her father, and then the the mother is at the t- dinner table in this nice, fancy, wealthy house. They have like a black butler, and they're sitting at the dinner table, and they're having visions of what of how this black man is treating their daughter or 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 just visions of what this black man is right and they have a scene where he's with the father is envisioning him with the daughter like she's pregnant by his kid yes. and he's behaving so insanely he's like where my heroin and my hypodermal needle at you white fat bitch <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that, though, is saying hypodermic needle. For some reason, needle. the idea of a heroin addict who still says the full medical name hypodermic. needle really cracks me up. Where's my hypodermic needle? You it's, fat ass white bitch. And give me some more watermelon while you at it. I, and your whole family I, thought this was hilarious and not weird. Yes, back in 1990 or whenever we watched it, yeah. You know, that, this scene I found the most troubling in the entire movie um, because <laughs> the son... For reasons. Well, I was going to... No, the thing that really, like, shook me in this scene uh, is that the son is watching, obviously, Little Richard perform, but when he has his fantasy, he's being yeah. Prince. And it's like, just like, yeah. what is even yeah. happening? I thought, uh, like, yeah. that was just such, like, clearly that was Little Richard he was just watching. And now he's, like, I, seeing Prince. I was Prince. so confused about that. I was like, that wasn't Prince yeah. when I saw that. So, yeah, I didn't understand. That was but really, even as an adult, I was like, I don't even know what that was supposed to be. That was the thing that really I found most bothersome about the scene. <laughs> that Everything was the most else egregious was part of the movie. Of, yeah. No, uh, it's, it's amazing how, like, 10 minutes <laughs> into the blackface, you just like, okay, well, I hate that. But that's the baseline. And then the thing that really gets you mad is confusing <laughs> Little Richard and Prince. Uh, yeah, it's just, again, it's that sort of casual racism of the family. Uh, yeah. I mean, I do, I, th- I think, like, that scene, again, kind of goes into, like, there's uh, a thing, there's uh, a real fetishization of black bodies in this movie with yeah, yeah. the daughter and the mom. Yeah, racism. Um, yeah. That is, it's, yeah. that is, like, the way that that is, like, portrayed in this film, I think, is weird. Uh, I, the Laura Hardin character is kind of interesting oh, so she's the one. i was 
who's like just about to bring her up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely want to hear your thoughts about it. So her her deal. So her dad is the racist landlord, and she is um, horny racist, and so she wants to have sex with the main character for her um, civil rights studies. And then later, her thesis when he breaks up with her, she is having sex with a Native American man. Uh, yes, and is saying the same shit, but with his anyway. Um, so yeah, so what? Do you, what I, I thought that was an in, of of the things of trying to like understand what it's like of him learning lessons that are like yeah. people will <clears> want to <throat> have sex with you because they are writing a paper about it is not what I was expect. It was an unexpected direction for me. Yeah, it's but it goes back to uh, like the fetishism that we're talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. and how uh, especially black men are fetishized for being these sexual, you know, entities. But and, and that dates back to, you know, the whole the whole reason why black men and the Jim Crow laws and why black men were being castrated and prevented from working was to protect and, and, and you're not going to read this anywhere. Uh, I mean, maybe you'll read it in like black literature, but you're not going to see this in history books is this protection of the white woman. Like white men did not want black men stealing their white women because uh-huh. they they fetishize them as being these sexual bucks like these guys who were just uh, every, only thing they had to offer was the dick that they had. Yeah. So like and that is what ties into this character this Melora Hardin character she is fetishizing this black man because she wants to have the black experience so she can now write about it in her class and have a thesis um which to me is like I mean I shout out to this movie for recognizing that type of white woman yeah which is now just being talked about now you know what I'm saying like uh the problematic Becky is now what we call her she's Becky (laughs) so yeah, she is. Yeah, She's yeah. this white woman that is so un. She pretends to be woke, but is so unwoke in her actions and behaviors. So it's like that's why I'm like I'm looking at this movie in a different way now because I'm like maybe it shouldn't have <laughs> it shouldn't have been made then, but maybe it should have been made now because <laughs> yeah, we're definitely. having blackface conversations, we're having Becky conversations, right? We're having all these conversations that are so relevant now that we're just now talking about that weren't being discussed back then. I mean, you think of like if this movie was made by a director who wasn't the director of Friday the 13th, 3 and 4 (laughs) and you know what I mean? There's something to There's a more elegant way to handle it, you're saying. Yeah, like imagine if like, you know, like somebody else who wasn't, you know, working exclusively with Freddy, uh, Jason Voorhees before this, maybe he could have added I mean, hey, maybe (laughs) Maybe. I've never seen Friday 13, 3 and 4 maybe they're really nuanced uh, deconstructions It's like the Fast and Furious franchise, it's when they really leaned into what they were and and became something better Uh, Yeah, Right. uh, where it really took off yeah, well, thought, you like, know who could have pulled this off in 2019? Jordan, Jordan Peele. Just, yeah. This is on my list of things to ask you in a second was, could, like, if Jordan Peele made this movie this year, what, yes. would, it, like, what would it be like and, and how would it work? I was, oh, God. Yeah, like, or does, like, would it work? Is, do you, like, I mean, I feel like... I think he's brilliant, so I think there is a way he could have made this work. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, I don't even know if he would have had to change the blackface character to make it work now. Like, yeah. because he is a black person... Yeah. Um, 
as opposed to this this idea coming from a white person changes it already. You know what I'm saying? Like if yeah. if you found out Spike Lee was doing a blackface movie, which he did, by the way, I'm sorry, yes. he did a, a movie called Bamboozled. Boozled, yeah, it's a great movie. Yep, with Savion Glover and a tap dancer, and he did black. But now also the difference in that was that Savion Glover was a black person putting on blackface. So oh. that was a, another level of, uh, you know, yeah, it was on a different yeah. level of yeah. And right, that whole but, movie is about like the exploitation in Hollywood of like you creating those products like that again it's done for a very specific reason it's not just for right. briefs yeah not for yeah for not sure for, not for good ball shot jokes right <laughs> exactly like he did it in a very intelligent way and it's opening up conversations that all weren't being discussed especially not in the white community about black people but like the uh like colorism and uh i don't know if you guys are familiar with the term cooning are you familiar with cooning yeah. Uh, yeah, um, of course I am because I'm very well read and cultured. But just for the listener okay. at home, just in case, you should maybe explain it. Yeah, so uh, through throughout time, you know, black people, as especially as entertainers, have had to do certain things to get acceptance and white and white validation so that they can uh, get success in whatever field that they are in. But especially in entertainment. And a, a lot of those times, um, they often do things that doesn't necessarily look good a, a, on us as black people. Um, so they're kind of considered to be a sellout um, because they're basically selling their, their culture out and their history out for white validation and for success. And basically, they'll step and fetch and they'll do whatever to, to get successful, even if it's at the detriment of the black community. So... This that movie, uh, Spike Lee's movie, Bamboozled, discussed that. Do you uh, currently, like, in your career right now, are you going... I've heard horror stories like this. Are you going on auditions where somebody is, like, trying to ask you to do that without actually saying it? Right. Like, you need to... If you could just act a little bit more... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, angry or sassy, right? Oh, that... Sassy. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I've dealt with that. For sure. I've done that. I've experienced that. But also on a grander scale of I'm not booking certain I'm not my comedy isn't where like career isn't where it would be if I were to agree to do those things like the there's certain types of black people in this industry that get where they are because they're willing to behave certain ways. And I right, am not one the, of those we'll black name people. Names. Anthony, we'll start with you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Anthony, good. Don't say anything. Good call. Yeah. And, and, and all, I know so many black people, black men and women who are going through the same thing I'm going through. It's like we are so-called, in quotes, well-spoken educated and we're not out here like yo motherfucker you know just cursing people out with sass and just having attitude problems and being angry and just being you know the stereotypical uh in the box character that these a lot of these industry execs think of what that's the only way to be a black person so i can't cast them if they're not behaving like this so you know that's a work in progress with this industry but yeah no i've been passed on i I get passed on regularly i even with this woke you know politically correct uh, movement that's happening right now because white executives look at me and they're like, well, 
we need a black person that looks more black and but and behaves a certain way because that's going to make me not look racist but this person here candace she's not actually black enough to make me not look racist so i can't hire her yeah. i told you i told you i've been passed up on, on at festivals because they were the like poster. she's not she's not black enough to be on the flyer what are uh, you talking about uh so um, you're, she's not diverse enough to make me look not racist. So that's like, what people yeah, like yeah, me so are dealing like, with. I want to look not racist. So let me just say the most racist. Yeah, let me get the blackest person, just regardless of if they're funny or not or whatever, but they have an Afro. So let's book them for the festival. I mean, I so I definitely went when I was watching this, like early on, I was like, I'm going to go. I, I Googled who directed it. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought like right away, if this had been. Uh, a black director would change my opinion. Uh, I was like, right. that, that's going to affect how I'm going to watch this because I would assume that the point that that person would be making would be different than a white director's point. And uh, for sure, tragically, no, it's the Friday the 13th, Friday the 15th or whatever. <laughs> guy. Um, but yeah, I, I would be super interested to see what Jordan Peele would do with it because I feel for sure. like he's somebody who can actually handle satire uh which is already i i've just been i was just listening back to there's an episode of uh uh malcolm gladwell's podcast do you guys ever i love it revisionist history yeah Yeah, i love it Revisionist history so good he did an episode in season one about called the problem with satire about how satire basically oh i heard that one yep not the way that it's used in america it does not work if they did it the way they do it like in england which is what he's talking about they know how to do it properly yeah yeah so yeah, so like if you haven't heard it, which you should all listen to it, but at home, if you haven't heard it, the the gist is like, if you there were some studies done on people who watched the Colbert Report, which is considered a high watermark of American satire, and if you were mm-hmm. very liberal, you were like, that's great, he's skewering conservatives, and the conservative people loved it, and they were like, that's so funny the way he's skewering liberals. So like basically, you're gonna see whatever you want to see in satire, and so that's what that's what I was like. I had just been listening to that this morning, and then I watched this movie, so I was picturing like, even even with Jordan Peele doing it, I feel like America would still manage to take the wrong thing from it. Well, oh, for sure they would. You're always going to have that. And, and also you would have the the sort of the inverse of the sort of uh, liberal offense uh, to this. That would be like fucking SJW cucks fucking making this movie about affirmative action. Make it like this guy like fucking telling me I have white privilege. Fuck, I have troubles too, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, Like, they would be, su- they would also be that reaction to this movie if it was, <laughs> like, an intelligent satire. I, yeah, um, I, I, that's one of the things that's interesting about the satire thing is where there's, like, what's, it's not just the people who would hate it, it's also people who would love it wrong. And yeah. that's... that's <laughs> they would love it, love it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, uh... That's, I mean, I think probably all of us at one point or another has told a joke and then people were laughing and you're like, oh, I suspect you're laughing for the wrong reasons. I should stop telling it this way. Like, I've definitely had that sort of thing. It's, which is a weird kind of fucked up thing to say, but you can tell. Or like, actually, you can tell with the way people come up to you afterwards a lot of the time. Yeah. 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 Oh, man, I love the way you were skewering those people. You're like, that's not who I was talking about. I was talking about you. Yeah. I yeah, stopped I, saying uh, the N-word in front of mixed company. I would never use it like haphazardly, like on stage. Whenever I would use it, it was for, it was for a purpose. But um, there's like a couple of jokes that I stopped telling because of the way white people approached me afterwards and they felt comfortable to call me the N-word no. because of the joke, yeah. because of what not, I said. How did you not get I know. messages? How did you miss that one at this I point? Miss that one. 
it, right. In so, 2019, but, I feel like that one, you should know. Like, no. even, even the worst people would be like, I feel like I shouldn't do this. N- no, yeah, but I, see, the problem is, is that, and that's why I stopped saying it, a period in front of mixed company, is because because it gives people free reign to feel like they can do it. And that's never going to go away, which is why I never support black people saying it in front of mixed company, because as much as you feel like you can, which you can, other people are going to also feel like they can too. And that's never going to stop until we stop doing it and until we let them know by not using it in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had people like I'm a, uh, half Mexican. I'm very, very light skinned. I don't really look it, but when I would bring it up in my act, I would have people come up and say like, racist things about mexicans or like use yeah. words or things out because they like they think they give you permission and it's like an inside joke that we have For sure like, i i paid money and i listened to you speak and you know what i'm talking about you know i'm not racist i also you know i'm not serious I, right yeah i've wanted to say this all day and you gave me a green light to say <laughs> permission it, so I'm to gonna, do it yeah and i gotta so, say like, anthony it was always weird though when you were talking about mexican people and you would call them the n-word i just i don't know if that yeah. was helping <laughs> <laughs> well my speech impediment really helps because you know i can't do a hodo no matter what because of the way i speak so uh, that always really it's the only good gift about having a speech impediment is that i can, <laughs> just can't I can't say the real offensive one um <laughs> So I want to ask, that was a good light moment, so I feel like it's a good time to bring up a real, uh, a less light moment to keep the roller coaster well, going, I guess. Can I talk sure. about another real light moment? Something oh, that okay, I, okay, just, I don't know I when else I'm going to... one terrible question that I want to ask. When, I, when I'm going to get to bring this up. This movie has a lot of really, like, just weird shit in it besides the obvious things. There's a lot of, like, just fucking strange choices. And there's a scene when he is chasing <laughs> after the love interest in a hallway and for some reason, yes. he has just taken his shoe off, and he oh, can't yeah. get it back oh, on. Oh yeah, he did have a sneaker him. on, a high top. Yeah, yeah. So well, there's like the, a five uh, minute, yeah, a five minute scene in which he's just holding a shoe, and it's never <laughs> yeah, acknowledged or brought up. Or I thought it was going to be like the button on the scene was she as she was walking away saying something. She would mention like the shoe as a dig or something. Yeah, like yeah. there had to be a yeah. reason. So your feet but they, and then walk away. Yeah, there just there just wasn't. <laughs> and I just yeah. I kept thinking about that fucking scene. I can't since I've watched this movie. It I'd was like, weird. Who made that choice? Was that the director? Was that the actor? It was Do like you... no, I want to be holding a shoe in this scene. I just well, if you wait, Friday there was the also three. You would know <laughs> classic trope. He always has one scene. It's like putting Stanley in a movie. There's always one scene where a guy holds a shoe and never talks about it. It's a classic. He's like, all right, where's the converse? We can't start until we have the converse. Somebody give him a shoe. (laughs) There there was another scene. There was another scene at the beginning before he even gets to Harvard Law where he, his, do you remember he's in a room with a noose? This is exactly what I was about to bring up. So yes, please tell me about this. Oh, I just, I saw, and I was like, what? I didn't want to go dark with it because I was like, maybe that's not the point of it. But you have to you have to think maybe this was maybe the darker intent. But there was a scene with him and a noose and his friend Gordo. And he's got he's basically it's a misdirect. You think he's trying he's contemplating suicide because his father is not paying for his tuition. Now, how is he going to go to school? So maybe he's going to try and hang himself. But then hilarious. They just show that he's got a doll. 
that I guess looks like his father. It's got a track suit. His father is always wore track suits like because he's exercising all the time. So I think the doll was supposed to be his father that he yeah. was hanging. But, was but because that doll. scene was so unnecessary, because it was so unnecessary, you didn't need that to understand or uh, get the film. So what was the real purpose of it? Like, is there ever really a, a need to put a noose in a movie that's discussing race? This is yeah, this was exactly yeah. my question. That was exactly what I was about to bring up because I thought we'd had a good fun From a white perspective. get a little dark, which was like... It. Ju- I mean, I, I. I'm glad I'm not the only person. I didn't. I hate to, because I would hate if no one else thought of that, and I was putting that association into it. But for a movie kind of lighthearted about race, it is very strange. Right. It's a comedy. With yeah. a there's no gr- brief to put a noose. Yeah. Right. Well, it's. I mean, it's the scene. It's just one of those like it's so fucking weird because like exactly like that. There's that whole subtext there, but like the the comedy intent of the scene is like oh it's great misdirection you think he's gonna hang himself but no he's not gonna do anything sad he's gonna do something completely normal which is hang an effigy of his father yeah like what yeah that's That's, not like a normal that's not a thing (laughs) that's That's not a thing nobody does that that's fucking weird too like it just the whole thought process it's just like again right it's a great like a metaphor for this this whole film of just like I guess I see what you're going for there, but, <laughs> but let's and, step and the back. fact that his friend was there, like, why is your friend there? Like, yeah. it was. Let me invite my friend over so he can watch me hang this doll of my father. Uh, it's, which it's, is, yeah, I don't. I don't, honestly, a metaphor as a metaphor, I don't even honestly, I don't know. Because that was even too far. Like, your father's not paying for your tuition. Like, big whoop. Like, mm. okay. He's giving you an amazing life thus far, like, and now he's just asking you to pay for grad school. <laughs> so what? Yeah, like I get uh, that's 58, most parents. Most parents do not pay for grad school. Yeah, like fifty eight thousand dollars is a lot of money, but he's acting like it's the worst. This well, yeah, like also over this th- big over robot. several years, it was ten grand yeah. was tuition, which is, yeah for that for like one year, which is not that high i mean even in eight eighty six dollars it's still significantly less than my undergrad was so like for sure i felt very little sympathy for him uh and that's one yeah. of the things that i think is so weird about this movie is that the you like you'd think if you're gonna give me a movie about a guy in blackface who learns some lessons that at least i would root for him at <laughs> some point but <laughs> I don't like him. From beginning to end, there's no point where I'm like, my hope this this weird thing where he's lying to his parents, his ex-girlfriend, and his current girlfriend at the same time works out for this fella because he's got a good heart. He doesn't. He's a piece of garbage every Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. I didn't really see... I mean, you see the character arc where his character does learn the lessons after spending whatever months as a black person. We see that, and we, we see that mainly through... Uh, the vehicle of the black girlfriend, yeah. right? That's yeah. which had, which well, first of all, let's discuss how I don't even buy that that type of person, that type of white guy would never be into black chicks. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> 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 like there's, a, we're talking about a guy who comes from the utmost, you know, type of privilege. Yeah. Who, uh, you see him, the for opening scene, he's got a girl, a random white chick in his bed. Mm-hmm. Right. First scene. Well, this is what we know who he is. He's like a womanizer. Right. He didn't even know who she was. Didn't know her name. Because they split. So we automatically know what this guy is. Yeah. (laughs) What? 
Oh, it's just saying they split one bottle of wine and he blacked oh. out and forgot she yeah, was yeah. in and his bed. And forgot she was there. Bed. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, that is, you know, that would never happen. Guys like that don't just look at black chicks and be like, oh, yeah, she's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, this would be an interesting subtext for the movie to explore, which it does not. No, it doesn't. Not it doesn't at all. care about that at all. Yeah, but that that's the the relationship. Him falling in love with the black woman is the only thing that would that move this thing forward. Like yes. if that had not happened, I don't know how he would have ever gotten uh, it would have become a better person. I really yeah. do like so, the kid. Um, he's a he was adorable. Kid. He was super cute. He was funny. Um, he was also very like um, uh, he was like not causing trouble at her work. He was just chilling, which is like for a kid. he was chilling in the cafeteria. Yeah, five or yeah. six year old, and he's like, "I'm just going <clears> to <throat> sit in this cafeteria for eight hours and not cause any trouble." Yeah. He was very very nice kid. Yeah, um, big Joan Vivas fan. I mean, yeah, that's something. Joan, yeah, which is great. That was right. He yeah. wanted to stay up and watch. Joan Rivers on Johnny Carson. Yeah, that so super cute kid. But I I gotta feel like also. For a uh, what a twenty two year old rich kid playboy, the idea that he was like, yeah, let, I just want to hang out with your five year old, like that was right. That was also it doesn't, weird. he was not thrown right. It by doesn't that. right. And who more, no, and what guy at that age is okay with a chick with baggage, right? Like nobody. That's what you're trying to avoid. Like I'm not gonna get with a chick who's got a kid. Like I don't want to be a stepdad. I'm too young. <laughs> you know, like it, it. Parts of it just didn't. It seriously didn't add up. Also, who imagine you like? You know how women don't introduce the the guys they're dating to their kids for like forever because yeah. they're like, I don't want them attack getting attached to this person yeah, who totally. may or may not be here in the future. Imagine how confused this kid is. <laughs> you introduced <laughs> Wait, me your to partner, your boyfriend who was black. Yeah, yeah, and it changed, <laughs> he changed his race, and also you never said anything nice about him. You just hate his guts. Um, but he's my dad now. <laughs> yeah, that is that was a weird choice on her part, for sure. So this is one of those rare movies where I root against the uh, main couple getting together. It's yeah, which uh, that does not happen often. But your point is this is you this is main character love interest. We know it's going to work out in the end, and I don't want it to. For for I don't want it to. You're rooting against it. Yeah, yeah, she could totally do better. She's oh, yeah. a really smart, really attractive. Shout out to Ray Don Chong, who also was one of the cast. Uh, she plays the black chick, who is Tommy Chong's adopted daughter. I think oh, that's how it works. Interesting. Worked. Yeah, there's a few of them. Uh, Marcus Chong, who played Tank in The Matrix, is also a Chong. Oh. Oh. Yep. Huh. But it, but it adopted. I believe that's what it was. Yeah, I have to. I forget uh, exactly, but yeah, I think, I think the Ray Don Chong and Tom and uh, Marcus Chong are like actual siblings. I think, and then he adopted both of them. I think that's what. It, do not quote me on that, but we'll have to Wikipedia. What do, you mean, do not quote you. You just said on a podcast. You're going to get so many. Yeah, emails no, I know. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just say don't quote me. The people have already written the email. They're the, yeah. I mean, but, uh, you're right. If Don't this was rile live, up the chomp heads. Go to heads. Twitter and see the real truth right now. <laughs> um, is there another movie? I was trying to think of another movie where I rooted against the couple getting together, and I can't think of one. I know I did. We did one for the show, Anthony. I don't know if you remember me talking about this, but um, there was some other movie where I was like really mad at them working out. You know, yeah, it doesn't actually, happen often. 
they actually dated after they made this movie too. I read that online. While C. Doing Thomas Howell and Ray Don Chong. Yeah, really. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, well, so maybe that does undermine I, your premise that that kind of guy. I guess he's not really that guy, but yeah, guy exactly. he's not I, that guy. Yeah, I, <laughs> you're so he, stupid. Well, but, okay, but he kind of is. You and I both know. No, he's not. But you, well, you and I both know people who get called to. Uh, I'm thinking of one person in particular who get called to audition for roles like this, and they kind of are that person. Oh, I know. I know. Yes, I. I and I know exactly who you're talking. I, that was really not for the audience or even for Anthony. This was just a very private bit of shade I wanted to throw together. I know exactly, and I just saw a post on Instagram, and I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> Anthony, there's a certain kind of actor who uh, gets called for auditions and then prints out his sides in public just so you can know that in he's public an audition. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Well, in public I, at, at festivals. At festivals, well, he wants every comic there to know he's working on sides. I would. I. That's that's fascinating. <laughs> I'm sure people are loving this, but I would say that. <laughs> Just going off my gut instinct, uh-huh. I think that right now, uh, when this movie was made, I don't know if C. Thomas Howell was really auditioning for anything, you know? He's coming oh, yeah, off the outside. Yeah, this may have been his, this, yeah, I mean, this, this may have been his big break and also his biggest mistake. Well, this, I, I, mean, so, I, I did look up, he has done movies since then because I was sort of like, yeah, he has, oh, yeah. There's a world, but, you know, if there's a just world. But like, this was his you know, last okay, film. Okay, so C. Thomas Howell was the lead in The Outsiders. Every single person in The Outsiders went on to be one of the biggest movie stars in the world, except him. Except for, except for him. Be- because they, because Tom Cruise passed on Soul Man. That's why, you know? Uh, Wait, really? Wait. Well, I don't know that, but he was in The Outsiders and he wasn't going to do oh. this movie. Oh, Neither okay. did Patrick I'm Swayze. I'm sure they offered Neither it to him. Matthew. Yeah, I'm sure they I'm offered sure they it. offered it to him. This was the same producers as Risky Business. I guarantee that yeah. Tom Cruise was probably their first choice. This was written with Tom Cruise in mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I would but love he, a panel of just people who passed on Soul Man right now yeah. just doing a victory lap, just talking about how yeah. great their lives have been from not doing Soul Patrick Man. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, yeah. Matt Damon. <laughs> or Matt Dillon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we've had movies we regret not doing. Not yeah. so many. Yeah. Emilio Estevez, he passed on it. Ferris yeah. Bueller. Let get away. Yeah. yeah. What's his name? Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Oh, yeah. Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I uh, I was surprised that he did go on to have other movies. Although it does seem like Thomas Howe has not uh, been crushing yeah. it. No, no I mean, he's, he's not like, a name. You can't say his name. He's not a household name. My yeah, mom he, would have no idea who I'm talking about if I said he's like a, He's an okay nah. character actor who's, of course, is gonna like make the bills. But this movie is like, yeah, he he wasn't lead leading anything after this movie came out. You know, right? Uh, no, he's lucky though. He didn't fall into like that lifetime Hallmark movie. Yeah, you know, uh, purgatory. He managed to. Do probably like a bunch of lawn orders. <laughs> he he probably you know he just he he's managed been to live a lot in in various yeah. Things. I feel like he's done a bunch of crime stuff and he didn't end up being like in those cheesy holiday films, yeah. which is yeah, where a lot I, of people end up. He, he's definitely like you know he's worked every year since this came out, but I mean when you oh, just compare him. his stir versus everyone else in the Outsiders, it's like. 
That, it's like, a coincidence. Like, is it a coincidence that, right? You just yeah, feel like, weird that he so didn't many take of these off. roles, it, when I'm looking at his Wikipedia, in parentheses say, in blackface. It's weird. That was like kind of a thing. <laughs> he, he got pegged as the, he got typecast as the blackface yeah, guy. Yeah, he's the guy who will do it. We need someone to do it. It's, it, it. You know, now we're making shows where it's like, obviously he's the bad guy, but like, yeah. we don't want to put anyone who's got a career through that. So, yeah. You know, we need C. Thomas Howell, but only in blackface. Yeah, yeah you know, a lot of it, it is actually, like, joking aside, it does seem like from the names of the characters he's played, he's got, they've gotten less, there are fewer and fewer last names as time has gone on, so that makes me think <laughs> not great roles. Sidebar, fun uh, drinking game that I invented um, is to play with your friends. Uh, you have to guess what the initial is in a celebrity's name, Ooh. and if you get it wrong, you have to take a shot. Whoa. And if, yeah, so C. Thomas Howell, you have to guess what the C is. But there's, and this you could is say, a, man, this is too high state. This is a drunk game, is what this is. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Some of these games, there's like a chance you won't take a shot, but you're just saying guess a name that starts with C. Yeah. Very sometimes hard. A. Sometimes I, I played oh. it with one of my friends and we didn't get that messed up, but I guessed <laughs> probably three of them correctly. Oh and you'd be surprised. Oh, I Holy have the fuck. best one. Alex, the, did you yeah, just realize what the point of a drinking game is? <laughs> yeah. I, just, I was like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah that's I'm, the fucking to get drunk. It's tough because I don't really <laughs> drink, but I am very into winning. So this just seems like a terrible game for me. <laughs> it seems like a lose lose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then I have one. I don't. You don't have to actually drink right now. But do you guys? Th- I just learned this from a comic yesterday. Um, do you guys know what the E in Chuck E. Cheese stands for? Oh wait, uh, no. And I used to work there. That was my job when I was 16 years old. Do you really? Oh, and you and you never. <laughs> I, I used to, to dress up the corporate no to inquire E. Cheese. Yeah, no, we didn't have internet back then. And we also, uh, I also was a kid. I was 16, so no, I didn't care about my employer. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky if I showed up. I actually had to dress up like Chucky. I want to pull up this guy's name because I feel bad if I uh, don't give him full credit. Because he has a a whole bit about it. It's very, very good. Um, But uh, Wait, so like it's a real, like, it's just a regular name that starts with E? No. Is not in oh. any way a regular name, uh, but it is okay. I'll just I, I will just tell you his uh, the, okay. The, the official name is um, Chuck Entertainment Cheese. The I was gonna say something ridiculous like isn't that. It the, I isn't wasn't that the gonna worst? say entertainment. His name is Charles Entertainment Cheese, <laughs> the rat who runs that business place, and he has like the saddest backstory. His backstory is that he was adopted. Never knew what day his birthday was, so he never had a birthday growing up, and so that's why he. Oh wants my to god! Your birthday with you. That's terrible. Isn't that so fucked this up? Podcast went really dark. Yeah, it's so fucked up. Uh, well, look up because there was a. They had another version of Chuck E. Cheese, kind of how like. Uh, you know how there's uh, Hardee's and then there's also Carl's Jr. Yeah, yeah, like there's Hardee's in the Midwest and then out here it's Carl's Jr. But I believe there was a like another version. It was Chuck E. Cheese and then they also had Showbiz Pizza. Oh, so that had a gorilla. I think as that. a mascot. 
<laughs> Wait, what'd you say? So you might, yeah, it would make sense that you would know Chucky, e, that you would have a good guess about Chuck E. Cheese, because that actually, the entertainment sounds more like that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Enterprise. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that no. would be worse, and but yeah. Um, I'm pretty confident this is a comedian Robert Dean was his bit is where I learned that. So shout out to Robert Dean from New York for Enter- entertainment. Charles, just, just look at that rat differently now that you know that it's Charles Entertainment Cheese. Also, if you guessed wrong, <laughs> I guess get drunk. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I gotta take I gotta take a shot now. <laughs> um, well, so to wrap things up, it's t- I guess I was gonna say we could skip it, but it seems like there is more question than I was expecting. So uh, yeah. the big question for this uh, for this uh, uh, series is, does it hold up? And I guess as a sub question, um, if it if it was be- if it didn't hold up at the time, could it have like gotten not less? Cause it, could it have gotten not worse? I guess because um, at the time, super controversial movie, a bunch of people were like, "This is fucked up. That this is blackface. Why did you make this movie?" So yeah. it would be hard. I guess if it held up just to that level. Uh, that would be something. Um, we'll make you go last, Candace, because it was yours. So, uh, a- Anthony, why don't you start? T- to you, having seen this a lot as a kid, does the 1986 film Soul Man hold up? Uh, I mean, I I think that no, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I, I, think that, I, I I think that like as a like as, as a as a work as a as a piece that we are reevaluating in 2019. I think is a fascinating thing to talk about like i don't think necessarily anything uh, in the actual film in terms of like the the text of it and like like the jokes aren't that funny the cinematography and the directions nothing to stand out with they play soul man a lot which is a weird musical choice uh yeah. so like there, there's the nothing about yeah there's nothing in this movie that i think like makes it like really stand out it's only in like through context and like uh, of like the where we are now and like the subtext and things we can like read in and discuss the movie. I think that's fascinating. This has actually been like a way more interesting conversation than I thought we were going to have out of it. I was expecting to have like my feelings in it brought up and listened to, but I think it's been like this movie has a lot of things that we can dig into, and that's pretty cool. Uh, wait, but you if were, you're wait, not, wait, gonna... I, 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 I think the way you just said uh, that, you said you were expecting to have your feelings. Um, Listen well, I mean, to? I was just—I like was you, saying, like, I did we no, no, your I, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, like, I had what I thought was like some interesting subtext stuff I was gonna bring. I didn't know if anyone else was gonna want to like do that as well. So yeah, I, thought I wasn't it, planning know. on. I was planning on just showing yeah. on all of this. this yeah, because that's exactly. I was expecting too. This is what I was. I was expecting uh, <laughs> more Alex's attitude across the board. I thought this would be more uh, dunking on yeah. this movie. Yeah, but so I think that if you have like three or four friends that you can sit around and talk about Soul Man with for like 90 minutes. It's maybe worth watching then. Man, uh, I just feel but, like yeah, if I you would want never to have just... a good conversation about race, there's yeah. probably a thousand yeah. movies you haven't seen that would be more would be better at sparking a conversation about race but, than I mean, Soul Man. Isn't, isn't it, like, <laughs> you know, I've compared this to a lot of different things. Green Book, <laughs> Coney 2012. Yes. But it, in like a not nearly as bad way, I think that like I think both of a nation has a place in like a conversation, and if you want to have an history oh of film yes. and race relations in America, you you need to sort of see this. And I think this I is if like that class, eight, if you're teaching that class, and it's two hundred weeks long. You might get to Soul Man, but I'm saying like as like where <laughs> race was at in the '80s, and like the sort of like these things. Like I think it has like an interesting part of that. You know, like 
So I definitely think that there's interesting things about this movie, but like as a whole, as like a singular piece of art, I don't think the movie holds up. That's my very long, it's a, convoluted answer it's a for great that. Answer. Um, I feel like well, so this is like a couple other ones we've watched, having never seen it. Uh, it's hard for me to say how it holds up uh, to my childhood memory of it. I have no memory of it, but um, like just just if you're doing it straight comedically, if we ignore if if we if we lived in a world where uh, having a, a character wear blackface to learn a lesson was like totally normal and fine. Comedically, not super strong, not a lot of jokes that are going to like, and I, we've talked a lot about this before too, actually how I, it sort of feels like maybe sometimes comedies shouldn't hold up because that means they're not biting enough about the time. Like I don't mm-hmm. really get the Ronald Reagan joke. So maybe they're doing and like the exercise machine. His weird rich dad is using and the psychiatrist who's going jogging for some reason. Like maybe there's some eighties, jokes that shouldn't hold up because they're talking about a very specific thing. Sort of like like the satire in Gull- Gulliver's Travels. Like, none of us are like, boy, sure, sticking it to the Protestants with that scene. Like, we... <laughs> we um, but just like just like uh, that movie uh, or any, a lot of the other... Or the, or the Wizard of Oz or whatever, the like old satires where we don't get the reference but we still think the characters and scenes are interesting. This doesn't have any of that. I feel like these are just... Like, just the jokes are just so... Uh, just tossed off and unimpressed. There's like two things that made me laugh the whole movie. I did really, the, I, we didn't mention this, but the joke that actually did get me was he wakes up at the very beginning of the movie. There's a naked lady in his bed. He doesn't recognize her. His friend comes in. They find out they got to Harvard. And then his friend sees the naked lady and is like, oh, I think an introduction is in order. And then the main character turns to her and says, oh, hi, my name is. And that was a fun surprise. Not what I was expecting to happen. Like, yeah, that was a fun misdirect. Yeah, it was a solid misdirect. There's a couple of solid misdirects. Um, I think the way they did the text layout with mostly white letters, but then some of the white letters make a black letter was kind of interesting graphics department. Mm-hmm. But that's the like, if I'm talking about the graphics in the oh, on the poster, not a lot of good in the movie. <laughs> the the I don't barrel. have anything good to say. Yeah, so I would. I feel like it probably doesn't hold up much. Um, I think what I have learned from this is that having a conversation with Candace does hold up. Because uh, you definitely, <laughs> like, your point about this as a thing about white privilege is so interesting because it is, mm-hmm. it's it, like like a guy being in blackface for a year and not having any bad things happen afterwards is like a fascinating study in white privilege. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it is such a more interesting film with the context that you have added to it that I feel like the oh, movie good, good. did on accident. <laughs> so... Good. So I'm gonna go. Largely does not hold up, but uh, uh, talking to you does. Candace, what do you think? Does it hold up? Um, as a whole, no. As is, no. Uh, again, if we had a Jordan Peele reboot, I think we could. I because I, I, I again, like I said, I think this conversation that we've had has been very interesting, and it came about because of this silly '80s movie about blackface, and and then it. And you wonder, again, because because of the time in which it was made, what was the intent then? Because it's, it's, it's not the same intent watching it from the right, perspective sure. that we're watching it from in 2019. So um, oh, it brings up a lot I of... I want to hear... Sorry to interrupt. This is your... Moment, oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm yeah, so yeah, no, 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 go ahead. I, wa- I, wanted to, I wanted to... I wish I could be there. I want to know not just the intent of the writers and the directors in the pitch meeting, how was, were the responses... Like in the makeup chair when the makeup professionals were putting <laughs> in practice every morning. Like, what was? 
did, did, were not were any of them like by the way this is fucked up and i wish i wasn't doing it but you know hey it's a living or were they like totally like hey what a fun thing i don't ever get to use this color like i am so curious what all of the intents all the way around were yeah i mean using the genre of comedy to even discuss something like this is is a risky thing to do because we you can have conversations about this. It's just when when you think when you when the person who has the inception of this idea thinks, oh, this would be hilarious. And, you know, that person is white. Yeah. It takes on a whole nother life where it's like, oh, so you think this is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like yeah, you think black faces funny. Yeah. Right. You think, right. Racism is funny. Because so, I, I, I and I think, honestly, if Jordan Peele were to redo it, it would be it wouldn't be a comedy. It would be one of those ones where it's like uh, I know they put Get Out in the com- did you know they put Get Out in the comedy category? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would be like that, though, where it's like it would be so dark that you don't know that it's a comedy. There would be comedic moments to it. Yeah. But and that which is the way a, a topic like this should be discussed. It should be discussed in a different medium than comedy because it is that serious. So it does not hold up as is. No, I do not agree with that at all. Did you, it sounds <laughs> like, though, you did have some fun rewatching it, possibly more than I was Oh, Oh, for sure. Mainly because of my childhood, though. Yeah, Mainly because yeah, yeah. watching scenes like that, give me my heroin and hypodermic needle, bitch. <laughs> and give me some more watermelon while you at it. Like that is so ridiculous and I just but I remember my family just cracking up at it so it brought me back to that time and you know back then there was no such thing as political correctness you know there was no we didn't know like what we were laughing at but I think as black people we were just laughing at the ridiculousness of white people thinking that's how black people behave yeah so you know, but it did bring back a lot of memories for me. And I remember like this movie to me, you know, every time I hear a story about somebody in blackface, which happens to happen annually now at, at Halloween, but there was, there was some like, white there was person. Like, was like yeah. Congressman like two weeks ago. Oh, God, I didn't even hear about was, this. But it, Anthony, do you remember the story? There was like, like a congressman who, who went as a went to a, a costume party in blackface as a, quote, Katrina victim. That was so there's like. So many See, layers it, of bad decision making. Right. So like it happens so frequently. And every time it does, I think about this movie and I'm like, maybe a movie like this needs to be done now <laughs> because people yeah. aren't getting it. Like not again, not in this, not in this form format, but like if Jordan Peele were to tackle this, I would love to see what he would do. He would do with it. I would. Maybe I'll propose that to him. Florida Secretary <laughs> of State Mike Ertel. This was like last week uh, resigned over blackface photos um I, I, I probably shouldn't have i didn't even need to mention it was florida but uh, in fact it was the secretary of state not a congressman but jesus just the, this just, it happened days ago but what, uh, why why who's having a costume party it's january <laughs> well they i, I haven't I, I don't remember this oh this is actually so the the incident was several years ago the photos just came out this week so they, it may have been a oh, okay party. yeah oh yeah in fact it was from yeah, like years ago yeah from years and years ago, but it's still. Oh. Oh man. Oh, don't put. I don't want to see the photo. Okay, NPR. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So it. it stories are still coming out. Whether or not he was do. People are. Uh. Yeah. Usually around Halloween. Good point. A January costume party would be very weird. Yeah, I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
was like, was this an Illuminati party? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man, I, that, that's right. I derailed the uh, your the end of your thought you'd been building. Oh no, uh, it's fine. No, I think I said it's fine. Yeah, I think I've said. So so mostly no, but your childhood a little bit, yes. Yeah, no, it doesn't hold up as is, not at all. I wonder, um, but so I, I'm not gonna lie, I enjoy it. You've <laughs> talked on, on television about having a, a happy childhood, and yeah, uh, I wonder if that's part of it that like your childhood being so good like overrides how probably. Like, if you just saw this now with no history with it, you'd be, like, grossed out the whole time. Um, I wonder if, like... Right. Because like, I, I, most people we've had do these, does it hold up? The power of that nostalgia has been stronger than the dislike and the clearly badness of the topic. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. That, it keeps happening. I mean, even me, I, we, just, we did Fight Club uh, for uh, uh, our friend Hunter, um, which I actually felt more like I hated now I hate now but the nostalgia actually was stronger in me than I was expecting even in a thing where I was mostly upset about it so it it's it fascinating how strong nostalgia is even for crap that's and I think that goes with anything like yeah. you think about like when you had a, a favorite childhood candy like you oh, and it, yeah. it's trash now. It's trash now, but you still could like find some joy in it. You're like, oh, oh yeah, like Twinkies. Like Twinkies are trash, but yeah. I could probably eat one right now and be like, oh man, this tastes better than what I, you know, what it should taste like. At here I am in I, my thirties. I feel like I, like a fun dip is probably probably does <clears> not hold up, uh, but I would enjoy the hell out of it right now. That actually be a fun little uh, segment to do. Yeah, maybe on this next week. Maybe, maybe next week for we'll we'll also ask a person to uh, suggest a candy or something for us to eat while we or talk a cereal about. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A food oh, from a their past edition. that hold up. Yeah, yeah. You welcome producer credit on that episode. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Um, I'm going to call that. give the last word there. Uh, we will be back again next week for more season two, more Does It Hold Up. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I, I'm also interested in um, more of your stories, listeners, uh, who have either watched this as a kid or just thinking about it now and how those are different for you. And, of course, you can always send in your suggestions for stuff uh, that you want to know how it holds up that meant this much to you as a kid and now probably seems like it wouldn't. Um so yeah, please send that along. Uh, Readdustweep.com and all of the social channels as well. Uh, thanks for joining me, Anthony. As always, it's a real pleasure. What's your candy, Anthony? Uh, my old. I, I was a big Fun Dip guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're so, so I, that, silly. I, but, but also, you just you said that. Uh, I still. I used to eat a lot of Nodes and Skittles, and I still do. So my candy <laughs> still hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your, te- I, uh, your teeth don't. The enamel on your teeth doesn't yeah. hold up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, my wife works very hard for very good dental insurance. All right, so I'm okay. Candace, <laughs> uh, what's your candy? Oh man, I too was like a Skittles. I love Skittles and Starburst, and uh, yeah. for some weird reason, I love Lemonheads. Ooh, oh, I, I have love, had a Lemonhead in so long. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thanks for joining us, Candace. Thanks for uh, for the idea. Uh, everybody, make sure you listen to the struggle, Candace's podcast about people struggling with si- serious or silly things, including yep, jokes by Candace. Don't do comedy. What? Sorry. Oh, I just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just said my uh, Instagram and Twitter, Jokes by Candace. Jokes by Candace, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Jokes by Candace on Instagram. We'll put up links to all of these things on our show notes. Uh, Thanks for talking to us, Candace. 
Thanks for having me. This was fun. Right. We'll be back again next week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.